0: Because we have to accept that we're all flawed human beings. And as I said a moment ago, I'm not a religious person. I've only heard of one perfect man, and he was left to die hanging on a cross. So how bad am I supposed to feel about the fact that I'm not a perfect man?
1: Welcome to the Lone Star Play podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest. We discuss their career, life food texas and everything in between let's get started hi guys and welcome to another episode of the lone star play podcast i'm your host patrick scott armstrong people always ask why do you use all three names patrick and you know what i say mind your business okay look let's get to this um last week we had part one um of our Dale Hansen interview right this is part two we're finishing it up picking up where we left off if you will I mean that is what we're doing not if you will um so you know amazing first part of the interview let's get to the second part today really excited again this was great having the Dale Hansen week so we're wrapping up um yeah his retirement right 38 years just on channel eight almost 50 years fired from a ton of jobs you know given the chance at uh channel eight um on on sort of a, I I think he got like a 12 or 13 week trial basis and he made it work you know turned it around and made it work and made an awesome career made a name for himself and you know not to have him on the air anymore in DFW is going to be a loss that's going to be interesting I mean the sports world has changed you know the world has changed and it's going to be uh, a different world without dale hansen in it for sure and um let me take off my glasses dramatically now we're gonna miss him okay if you were listening you didn't see me take off my glasses dramatically but it was dramatic okay just trust me but um yeah gonna miss him gonna miss things like um his relationship with jerry jones and the uh back and forth they'd get into right How about him being president of the Troy Aikman fan club? I guess he can still do that job, but does he retire from that too? Uh, And his awesome relationship with Barry Switzer, right? They're old pals. I suggest that he start a podcast with them. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously, of course, he broke the SMU scandal, right? Massive, gave him national attention. It was honestly uh, quite fascinating to hear his answer on that. Um, if he would do that again, what he would do, how that whole story would go differently if it was now. Um, and his Michael Jordan countdown, remember that? Um, got some national exposure for that. And, you know, Michael Jordan would always remember that when he came into town, asking about, who's that guy? It's Dale Hansen. And then, of course, his Michael Sam commentary and many other commentaries he did that um, gained him a lot of exposure and also... I don't want to say outed, but, you know, let people know he wasn't as conservative as they thought. Um, And he was actually more liberal. Uh, It also got him an appearance on Ellen. And as I mentioned in the last podcast, I don't know, is that such a good idea now? Look what, you know, she's in hot water. So um, (laughs) that was kind of funny, right? Uh, But, you know, it gave him national exposure and it should have. He's an amazing person. He stands for a lot of things I stand for personally. I know a lot of people are gonna miss him and I'm excited to see what he does next because I know he'll just be sitting around going, I could do a podcast. And my hope is, you know, maybe he chooses a woman, right? He can pay her less. Okay, let's be real. Uh, Just kidding, okay? I made that joke, okay? Be mad at me. It's just a joke. I don't think women should be paid less. That's the irony course we should all get paid on our merits alone that's it what you bring to the table that's what you get paid on and if you're a woman well not as much as a man all right just kidding (laughs) okay my mom is gonna kill me all right listen guys part two of the dale hansen interview finishing up epic podcast again so look before we get to that here's a quick word from our sponsor texas real food we'll be right back Hi, I wanted to talk to you about other things that are on the Texas Real Food site that are just as amazing as putting in your zip code, finding the best place around you that's serving, you know, all natural, fresh, organic ingredients, all right? There's resources on there, reviews, blogs, articles, and most importantly, Texas Real Food recipes. So you can find things on there that really aren't on any other site, I promise you that. And stuff that's pretty standard, but we give it a twist, right? That's the chef way. Something familiar with a twist. So we've got, for instance, cinnamon-spiced hot cross buns. You can also find a great Texas strawberry cheesecake recipe. Just amazing stuff. So please check it out at texasrealfood.com. All right, back to the show. Okay, guys, I'm done making jokes. Let's finish this awesome week this awesome episode dale hansen our tribute to him um you know again going to be missed in the metroplex so this for you dale thank you so much for everything you've done for this community everything you've done for us as people as fans that love you and uh we appreciate you so much really and this was an absolute honor for myself um i know you'll probably never see this or listen to this because you know you just don't mess around with this stuff you know It's not on Netflix. Uh, Then maybe you'll see it. Uh, Okay, so again, here's the second half of the Dale Hansen interview. Um, Oh, before we get to that, social media. Lone Star Plate TX, please follow us. And on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Bam, right now. And the notification bell. And don't forget to check out our Lone Star Plate wrap-up show live Mondays on YouTube at noon. Okay, 12 p.m. Central. Texas time. Okay. All right. Let's get to this. Dale Hansen, part two, the finale. Awesome interview. Let's do this. Enjoy.
0: One of the reasons I was not involved in politics for so long is because I I do think in so many ways, it's just a ridiculous game that they all play to amuse themselves and, uh, uh, yeah, there's just something wrong when a guy goes to Congress, makes 180,000 or 200,000 bucks a year, has to maintain two residences, and one yeah. of them is DC, the yeah. highest costing city in America. Maybe
1: that's a good point.
0: And then they leave Congress after five, six, eight years, and they're multimillionaires. Yeah, there's just something wrong with that.
1: I agree. They Absolutely. do it
0: time after time after time after time, and, and it's it's it, it, they should be leaving Congress and declare bankruptcy. You know, I mean, we don't pay them <laughs> enough, overpaid for what they do. But I'm saying, there's no way these people can have two houses, in two cities, fly back and forth as much as they do, do all the stuff that they do and then retire wealthy at the end of the day. Huh? That, it doesn't begin to compute. Yeah. Unless. And that's what they have. They've got their yeah. little loopholes and oh, the donations can yeah. go to my account. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the system's broken. I mean, it's incredibly broken. And. Um, Just like money in the news,
1: problem. we got to take money out of the politics the same way. It's the same. I wish
0: you would. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm not crazy about uh, the concept of um, you know publicly financed campaigns, but I, I do think we need to take a longer look at it. You know, without question. I mean, I think if you had publicly financed campaigns, you might have an opportunity for people to actually speak the truth. You know, I, that's now, what I
1: think. Yeah. Now they know absolutely. where their
0: money's coming from. And, and again, you have to carry the water for that guy. I mean, you just do. I mean, somebody cuts you a check for a lot of money, you're not going to be independent. You know?
1: Absolutely. Even if you're like, right, right. Even if your mind is yeah, exactly, you might fight it or whatever, but inevitably something in the back is just, yeah, he did give me all that money. I want him to give me more money next round.
0: Well, yeah. I more money, I want him to give me more money. And, and yeah. uh, I mean, I think so. I mean, obviously some people are better at that than others, but, uh, sure. sure, um, it, it's just a, it's just a crazy system, but you know, uh, my buddy always, I mean, my favorite catch-all phrase is just the hypocrisy of all of it. And I just sit there, and it's relatively easy to break it down. I mean, it, it, it's the arguments aren't even that difficult, you yeah. Know? And, and the hypocrisy of, of of most of these people, not just some of them, I would argue most of them, um, it, it's just mind-boggling. You know that they they can say one thing and do another and do one thing and argue against what, you know, what they're actually doing. And, uh, you know, we've reached a point, I I argue with my judge friend all the time. I said, it's a sad commentary on America uh, when I can tell you 90% of the time what the vote's going to be at the U.S. Supreme Court. Because I'm not a lawyer. I don't know anything about the law. I don't know anything about the arguments they make. But with a rather startling degree of accuracy, I can tell you what the vote's going to be on almost every issue that comes down. And that, I think, is a hell of an indictment on America, because some idiot like me should not have a clue. (laughs) I mean, the Supreme Court justices should be looking at the law and applying the law. Uh, And and too many times I'll sit there and tell my judge they're going to come back. You know six three five four seven two and i just i pick them off yeah how's that possible yeah you
2: know, yeah. They, that's a good point
0: sometimes i miss point. but not nearly as often as i should put it that way I, sure I, I should miss most of the time
1: <laughs> i think too some like the politicians like you almost have to be so well known in your community to get out there right so that you can get money right you, yeah. you know, some pr firm is going to get a hold of you and uh, you know, again, it's just sort of takes away from the average person being able to step up and get into public office. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm just saying it's less likely to happen, yeah, right? People-
0: usually when it happens, then somebody does get a hold of them. And then they say, well, you can't say that. You got to appear. This is the only thing that, that I, I hold out a little bit of hope, although I don't think it's going to happen. But the one thing that Donald Trump did do is he he said his outrageous things, in my opinion, but he didn't care one bit about uh, appealing to Dale Hansen. He, he didn't say, nor did he care one bit about appealing to Dale Hansen. He identified his voters. He identified the people he thought he could get to vote for him. And he thought that would be enough to win. And it was in 2016. Yeah. Hillary Clinton, quite honestly, in my opinion, tried to go out and appeal to everybody. And it, all she ended up doing was driving people like me away. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, how can you possibly say that? She she made the comment, uh, and I said this at a Democrat, uh, a big state Democrat party uh, convention. She made the comment in 2016 that there are a basket of deplorables who support Donald Trump, and then she apologized for it. No, I said she should have owned it. Yeah, she should have owned it. She didn't say everybody who supports Donald Trump is deplorable. She said there is a basket of deplorables. Is there not? David Duke, Richard Spencer, right? You don't think those are deplorable people? I mean, there is a basket of deplorable people who supported Donald Trump. And instead of owning it, she then apologizes and then just trickles down that path of, well, I believe that, but I also believe this. I'm speaking in Virginia now, so I'm not going to tell you what I said in Texas. I'm going to yeah. speak in California. You know, get out of here! You know, so all my all my friends who were kind of somewhere sub- sitting on the on the uh, bubble, were, I heard this, if I heard it a hundred times, it, it was a minimum. And they said, "Well, I don't really like Donald Trump, but I appreciate the fact that he's he's trying to change things, and I sure as hell can't vote for Hillary Clinton." And I had yeah. no argument for
1: that. I heard that too. The,
0: the closest yeah. I got to an argument that I somewhat believe is that, and I said this about I didn't vote for a long time. And the reason I vote now is because I, I always wanted that perfect candidate. And I throw Hillary Clinton back into this argument a little bit. But I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. I didn't vote for Donald Trump, but I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton because she just drove me nuts. But what I found out was that if you're not willing to vote, for the lesser of two evils, sometimes the most evil person wins. And we have this litmus test in American politics that so many of us, and I used to be one of those, if you don't check off every box that I believe in, well, then you're out. Yeah. Well, the reality is that's never going to happen.
1: Yeah, that's impossible. So we've got to
0: find a way. Whereas Donald Trump didn't even try. Yeah. He, he, He didn't even try. Now, he, he never won the popular vote, which is a whole other argument for another show or whatever. Sure, but He he identified a way to win the presidency, and he didn't even try to appeal to the Dale Hansons of the world. He, he never one time said anything that I might be able to, to, to come to grips with. He just stood up and said, you know, Mexicans are the problem. We're going to Lower the taxes on the rich people. Uh, we're going to put up a wall. I mean, hey, I'm over here. What about me? Yeah. Not- and, he yeah. and he won. And he won. And I still think if he hadn't screwed up the pandemic, he probably would have won again. Not, not, Absolutely. The not the popular vote. Yeah. But the way the system works in America. Sure. I, I think if he if he hadn't screwed up the pandemic and not even the lack of a response to the pandemic, but the way he, he, he spoke about it. Yeah. And got caught lying yeah. about it so many times. Then he started losing some of those swing voters in Michigan, Arizona, Georgia, sure. Pennsylvania, etc. Those people would have stuck with him if he'd have had yeah. a common decency response to the pandemic. He'd still be president. He'd still be spilling that bile all over the, uh, our airwaves. And uh, we got lucky in that regard. So I'm somewhat anxious to see if there's a Democrat willing to pick up that mantle. I doubt it. Uh, I mean, I, I think Joe Biden, obviously, he's, he's all over the map trying to appeal to, as he said, bipartisanship.
2: Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, sure.
0: I would love to see bipartisanship. I think it's, I think it's dead now. Maybe it'll come back, but Biden plays that political game. I mean, he's a professional, been doing it for what, 50 years or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think of a Democrat. I, I'd be anxious to see if a Democrat could just stand up and say, this is the way it is. This is what we're going to do. Sorry that you don't see it that way, but you're out. Could they win? I think they could win the popular vote, but could they carry enough of those states you know that have the electoral votes swinging disproportionately toward the Republican Party. Eh, maybe not. But um, yeah, uh, I, I'd like to see i I'd like to see a Democrat give it a try one time. You know,
1: absolutely. Shoot uh, from the hip, Democrats really. I, you good. know, yeah.
0: Democrats are very good at being the conciliatory. Gee, hope we didn't offend you with that. Exactly.
1: Bring everybody in, right? Like, yeah. let's all get a big hug. And yeah, hope you didn't well, offend I, you. I want, yeah.
0: I want everybody in too. But sure. there are just some things that, and, you know, like they're trying to some Democrats are trying to convince Biden now. Hey, I want everybody in the tent too, but we can't get them, so quit trying. Let's let's give that argument up, and let's go forward with what we know the majority of the American people want. I and
2: agree. Let's, just,
0: let's let's go. Let, let let's yep. quit. Let's quit trying to appeal to everybody. You know, there, there was a radio station in Dallas several years ago. A buddy, of mine was the program director came into my favorite little bar. We're having a drink and he's he's just going nuts because some guy in New York city was now telling him, it was a country station. We want to play like a, a, like a rap song, an urban song, um, like once every quarter hour. We want to appeal to the urban hip black audience. Really? So you're going to play Toby Keith and Tanya Tucker and Willie Nelson and oh, here's Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> right. and I, excuse me? Yeah. And exactly what happened, of course. No one who really likes rap music or whatever is going to sit there and go, well, I'd love to hear another horses for, or beer for my horses by Toby Keith because I know <laughs> there's a rap song coming, right? Sure. Nor is the country audience going to sit there and go, well, I don't really like this rap song, but I'll wait because they're going to get Willie Nelson back on here in a moment. Yeah. And it just drove everybody away. I mean, it's the stupidest concept ever. And it's it's somewhat unfortunate for the American electorate, but but this was a great business model for Fox. Fox went on the air years ago and said, We don't care about Dale Hansen and his ilk one iota. We are going to just tell this story and we're sticking to it. Well, then here comes MSNBC. CNN, I still think CNN tries to straddle the line a little bit, a little bit, not as much as they used to, certainly. Yeah. And everybody just chooses upsides. Everybody just chooses upsides. And Fox says it one way, no matter what. MSNBC says it another way. No matter what, CNN does the same, I would argue, most of the time, but, but not always. I, I don't think they're as blatantly uh, biased liberal as, as some people think they are. But I'll give you one example. as I'm watching the election in, in 2020. Yeah. And I thought this was fascinating. Wolf Blitzer in particular on CNN, every race was from the Democrat point of view. And I watched him for hours on the end. And he goes, this, this is a great win for the Democrats. They, they weren't expecting to win this race. This is great. Well, well this, this is a bit of a shocker for the Democrats. Uh, the Republican has won. The Democrats were expecting to win this. And I thought, okay, I'm going to switch over and watch Brett Baird, who prides himself on being an objective journalist. He's not quite as objective as he thinks he is, but he's, he's not bad. He's not bad, in my opinion. And believe it or not, he was just back and forth, you know. Oh, this is a big win for the Republicans. They didn't think they would. Oh, this is really good for the Democrats. They- and I went back over to CNN and nope, nope. Horrible outcome for the Democrats. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, they're right. They're right. Now, in that little window, and that's hardly scientific. Sure. But I think without question, Brett Baer did a much better job. Um, was was a, a more fair portrayal. And if you remember, Fox was the first station to declare Arizona for Biden.
1: That's right. Now yep. they
0: had people backing up. Sure. You know they had people trying to shoot it down even for a while. Yeah.
1: On the station, it like the comp yeah the commentators yeah. Uh, themselves. And then they eventually
0: yeah. the guy who made the brilliant call they pushed him out. Yeah. Hey, we can't have guys who are that good on our station. <laughs> we, we can't have those. <laughs> I mean, this guy should have been given a bonus. I agree. Right? I mean yeah. he had it figured out. And and I'm like, "Oh my gosh." And I kept going back to MSNBC and CNN, no, we can't call it. Said, Fox has called it for Biden.
1: I think Fox got some respect from liberals from that. Right? I mean, it was I'm, like, "Oh, hey, look at this."
0: Yeah. I mean, I, it, and again, if I'm the viewer, I want I want the facts.
1: I want the facts exactly. You know,
0: and, and yet, and again, I think it's it's smart to be careful, obviously, but this guy obviously felt like he knew what he was doing, and he did. They should have been singing this guy's praises. It would have been an opportunity for them to say, hey, we know, they could even say, we know you don't like that, but we are the, the, the new station. We are the people that's going to give you the facts. I'd have made a hell of a pro- promotional campaign around it, Instead, they ran from it. Yeah. You know, they tried yeah. to get people to apologize for it. Uh, yeah. They had reporters questioning it every step of the way. Yeah. It, you know, while MSNBC and CNN were sitting over there going, oh, gee, I don't know. We can't, we can't figure it out. Can't figure it out. And instead of getting his bonus that he should have gotten, this guy's pushed out the door, gone. And I'm like, Not that I needed it, but I think Fox just told me where their news credentials are. You know, you had a guy that made a staggeringly brilliant uh, call in the election, but you got rid of him because he alienated your audience. Oh, well, okay. Thanks for playing. You know, I mean, thanks for playing. I I don't blame MSNBC and CNN for waiting. I mean, that's fine. If you're not sure, obviously, wait.
2: Wait for it, yeah.
0: But... Once Fox had a guy who they should have been promoting the heck out of and they basically push him out the door to get rid of him. How could you possibly step back and go, you know, Fox does some really quality work. (laughs) 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 Yeah,
1: they're objective. I mean, that's what caused. uh, What was it? Newsmax is that was called like Newsmax and OAN to blow up. I mean, they blew up and they were doing better numbers than Fox. Yeah. Uh, during that time, that was a yeah. really rough time even, for like the truth and news,
0: even, you know, even the hardcore said, oh, OK, that's they're too stupid now. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely.
1: Uh, I mean you know. a, they, they, they wouldn't they, even they, call him they, President yeah, Biden or president, any of that.
0: Very successful businessman. I, 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 I like this guy a great deal. Called me several months back and, and uh, I think it was OAN. Yeah, it was OAN. And OAN ran a story that Stanford had the cure for uh, COVID-19 scientists at stanford university had found the cure but they were covering it up until after the election <laughs> and i thought what right so naturally I, I i looked it up and you know but 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 my first impulse was i mean it was what i always love about the conspiracy theories period is that it, it how, how could how could so many people cover something like that up? I mean, absolutely. I'm just going to take a wild guess here that there's somebody at Stanford who would have seen the public good and 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 blew the whistle on that. I mean, I'm I'm just going to take a wild stab.
1: Absolutely. As,
0: as much as as much as they may have wanted Trump to be defeated, I'm just going to take a wild guess that somebody would have called about out. and there was just no truth to it. I mean, just nothing resembling the truth to it and i looked and f- checked it every which way and i called my buddy back i said listen let, let me just put you in simple terms there's a cure for code and nobody's reporting on it except oan nobody <laughs> i mean you really think that all of i mean i, I could be the most liberal guy in am on the planet earth who who wanted Trump out more than anybody on the planet earth, I'd have broke that story in a heartbeat. I mean, the journalistic awards that would have come your way. And I I tried to put it to him in that context that forget the conservative liberal bias, the selfishness of winning every award that's been known to man. You broke the story that Stanford was covering up the cure. Oh my goodness! You know that's a
1: massive story. I mean, that's huge, right? That's yeah. like
0: he finally started. And he's still on the concert. He he started coming around a little bit, you know. I said, listen, I'm just telling you, you can keep watching Fox if you want, but you've got to get off OAN. A hundred
2: percent, yes.
0: That's just outrageous. Yeah, I mean, it's just. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, but that's what we've become. Is it? Yeah. Fox Fox created the business model. Local stations in particular are still fighting that, that I think most local stations are still doing a very, very good job of objective journalism. The only problem I've ever found with local stations is that there's a certain amount of pandering to the audience, you know, that we don't want to offend the audience. We don't want to make the audience uncomfortable. Um, we, We want to be, for the most part, portrayed as a cheerleader for the community. I think that's all wrong. I mean, I, I just do. I, I don't think you can do your, your public service job if you're too concerned about making the viewer uncomfortable. Sure. You know? But when you're in this environment of, like where Happy Talk started back in the day, People like to laugh a little bit. People like to be friendly. People like to think they know their anchors. You know, they're, they're on a first-name basis. And we're constantly walking that line. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's a thing like almost every station in America does right now. But, you know, they, they don't want to show the pictures of the jets flying in to the Twin Towers because it's too disturbing. I think they ought to show that every week. I think every Remind week. Remind us. Yeah. We need to remind you what happened. We need to remind you why we're checking your shoes at the airport or whatever. Sure. Yeah. I, what do you mean it's too uncomfortable? I mean, I, I don't understand the concept. I mean, of course, it's also it's also kind of funny to me when every time a network will say, you know, we have this the this shooting of this accident and this disaster. And we warn you, the pictures are very graphic. They may make you incredibly uncomfortable. And everybody immediately turns off their TV. Oh, you—you you know that's exactly what they're going to do. <laughs> Why don't you just blatantly hold up a, a sign that says, "I'm going to do all I can to make you suck right into this picture." <laughs> oh my God, I mean, this, that is such a good. We warn you, these pictures are harsh. These pictures are gruesome. You know, yeah that's why everybody drives by a traffic accident on 35 and they see the bodies they go we need to turn away and speed up please what do they do i mean seriously yeah. what do they? it's do? called
1: it's called rubbernecking for a reason right rubber-necking absolutely
0: for a reason oh i think there's bodies over there
1: Slow yeah let me line. see they're exactly rough- Slow, get out your phone right they're, they're like trying to take pictures
0: no. Yes. So the networks the networks warned us.
1: Oh, L- listen, what, what we see on the internet is far worse than what you're yeah, going to oh, show yeah. us on the local news, I promise you.
0: Yeah, but I'm like, oh, this is too graphic. This is too yeah. uncomfortable for the viewer. And I'm like, in stations, I've seen it a dozen times where they're doing a story about 9-11. And here comes the plane, and then they they cut away or they freeze the picture. And I'm like, another one of my favorites. They freeze the picture as the plane's coming toward the building. Cause I have no idea what happened next. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're right. Yeah, you're right. All it does to me, and I'm serious about this. All it does to me is make me stop and visualize it. And I'm done listening to you right now because I'm obsessed with the visualization in my head of what you refuse uh, to show.
1: That's a good point. Right? That's a great point. Absolutely.
0: Said, oh, oh, the planes flying toward the building on 9-11, which fortunately, in my opinion, is, is burned into everybody's brain. We should never forget what happened and the suffering of, of, of all of those people on that day. We should never forget that. I mean, it, it's like watching a World War II movie and they show the Japanese attacking Pearl Harbor, but but we stop it before they drop the bombs. You're you know? right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Or Or Steven Spielberg's uh, uh, Tom uh, Tom Hanks movie, Searching for Private Ryan. I mean, rushing the beaches of Normandy and oh my gosh, the the horrific nature of that. No, that should be shown in every classroom in America and say, this is what a generation of Americans did. This was the sacrifice that a generation was willing to make. I read or heard this someplace the other day. Do you think we could win World War II right now? Do you think America would be willing to make the sacrifices that 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 generation did? And, and his argument was, no, they won't. I mean, sugar was being rationed, rubber yeah. was being rationed. Turn off your lights on the coast because wow. maybe there's a submarine out there. Turn off your lights? Really? We can't even get people to wear a mask in the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> And now we're going to tell them, you know, hey, you have to sacrifice for the good of the country. You can't just use all the sugar you want. You can't just have all the rubber tires you want. You can't just have a party and keep your lights on all night. Oh, by the way, we need all the women to go work in the factories to build the place because all the men are going off to war. Yeah, really? You think this generation would do that? You think this country would do that now? I mean, that's a good point. Oh, I I mean,
1: it's kind of it's kind of making sense, though. It's, you know, makes sense.
0: I'm reading this article and I'm just sitting there thinking. I don't think we could. Yeah, I don't think we could. We'd have to
1: give up TikTok and Coca-Cola. I just don't think it's going to happen. You know
0: what? You want me to give up watching uh, watching Ray Donovan on Showtime on Sunday night? <laughs> I, I can't watch John Oliver. No, I'm not doing that. I mean, no. Uh, no, I'm going to a restaurant with my buddies. I mean, this we've lost it. I think mean, we have completely lost. It. It's just like the vaccinations now, wearing a mask. I, I just flew back to Omaha, and it, it was it was really uncomfortable. I, I didn't like anything about it. Uh, wearing a mask all the way through the airport, standing in line to take my shoes off, which made everybody around me feel so much safer. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Getting on the plane, sitting there with a mask on—I mean, it was it was horrible. Sure, but I, I believe in in the concept of of, of the better good for everybody. Uh, you, know, the arguments we have now about vaccines—not for me. I'm not doing it. I've argued with a couple of my friends back at Omaha, and I'm like, so you're not getting the vaccine? No, nope. no. I said, how'd you like those measles and mumps that we used to deal with in chicken pots? Oh, that's right. Your kids never had them because we got the vaccination for them. You know, we were lucky. My generation was lucky. We didn't get polio. Yeah. Nobody in America gets polio anymore, right? Yeah. Why? We have a vaccine for that. That's right. Kids don't miss school now because of chicken pox and mumps and measles. And I had all three and it was horrific. We had vaccines. Now we have a vaccine for one of the most incredible pandemics this country has ever dealt with. And there's, oh, I don't think 600,000 people died from COVID. I said, okay, 500,000, 400,000. And then my favorite <laughs> argument is well, they had other they had other underlying conditions. I said, Okay, I sure, that,
1: right. You hear that.
0: that. Somebody dies in a traffic accident. Somebody dies in a traffic accident because they got a stomach ache and they lost composure of the wheel. What killed them? The stomach ache or the traffic accident? You know what I mean? Everybody has underlying conditions about You're something. Right. Yeah. If they didn't get the COVID. Yes, they had diabetes and high blood pressure and COPD or whatever it is. But if they didn't get the COVID, they'd still be alive. Yep. And then I still say, okay, I'll agree with you. 600,000 people didn't die from COVID. You're right. They made it all up. Was it 500,000? Was it 400,000? You know? Oh, at what, yeah. At, at what
1: number? Yeah
0: i oh, okay, so you're okay with three to four hundred thousand. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it, my argument, whatever number you want to put to it, I, I happen to go with six because I, I believe in the science of it, but, but the, let's say four hundred thousand. How many people would have died, and that's four hundred thousand when we shut the country down. I didn't go anywhere for a year. I, I, I don't leave my house because I, mean, I check off every box for those underlying conditions, right? Uh, yeah. So most of the country was locked down. Most of the country, when they did step outside, wore a mask, stayed away from other people, no restaurants, no concerts, no football games, no golf tournaments, no nothing. How many people would have died if we had just said, hey, don't worry about it, it's nothing. It's just like the flu, like people still do. It's just like the flu. Sure. Yeah.
2: It would we would a nightmare.
0: 14, 14, 15 months of a massive lockdown and we still had hundreds of thousands of people die.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think it, honestly, I, I I would actually argue that it's probably more than that. To be frank, like well, I, I do think do. the no, right. Like I think it's actually not erring on the side of less, but more on more. Yeah. I think more people died from it than actually yeah. you know got but got uh you know put in the system or whatever.
0: Was there? At least I don't remember. I mean, I wasn't there. I'm not that old. But did people sit around during World War II and go, no, they don't have the right to take my rubber tires away from me. They don't have the right to take my, uh, 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 turn my lights off, you know. No, I'm not doing that. You know, I mean, it's, it's rather shocking. I mean, I, I think, I think if Hitler was alive today, we'd all be speaking German in about five years.
2: Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think we'd all
0: be speaking German. And I think if if it it, it is uh, Tom Brokaw's book, The Greatest Generation, was not entirely accurate because as a good friend of mine wrote, Kevin Blackstone wrote one time, when people talk about the good old days, for some of us, they weren't really all that good for people of color, you know. yeah. Man, I love that line because I've been guilty of thinking, boy, I'm telling you, growing up in Iowa in the 50s was
2: amazing. Man, was sure.
0: Not really my, fa- my father
1: used to say that growing up in yeah. uh, St. Louis.
0: But it wasn't all that good for everybody.
1: Sure. And well, I'll my mom's from thing. Mexico, so I yeah. got both sides, right? So, like, my mom came to the States in the 70s, early 70s, and in her 20s, and, yeah, she didn't have the same experience from the good old days, yeah. Um, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: and And it was – in many ways, that greatest generation that was responsible for much of the racism that we dealt with for the next 20 plus years, that greatest generation didn't exactly lead the charge in civil (laughs) (laughs) rights. Now, the commitment that they made fighting that war was was a commitment that I don't think a lot of people uh, would be willing to make today. I'm not sure I'd have been willing to make that commitment. I think then, I, I, I hope I would have. Um, but man, I mean, think about the commitment. I how do those, every time I see that Steven Spielberg movie, I think, how did they possibly get off that boat rushing that beach? I mean-
1: uh, I agree. Oh, You're right.
0: That's insane. It's the most thing I've ever seen. Yeah. But they did it. They won the war. They saved the world. I don't think there's an argument about that. They saved the world but they didn't save it for everybody yeah. because it was that same generation that really didn't do much, including our presidents to advance the cause of civil rights. Maybe the greatest generation of what we're dealing with, you know, in, in terms of when you do look at our entire history, but. I, I don't like the term greatest because really good generation, you know,
1: very I like that. Really, really good generation.
0: generation. <laughs> you know, hey, a generation did a lot of good things. <laughs> that's why. That's funny. I, that's why I mean, I, I do. I, I, I try to, I, I try to look at life that, 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 yeah. that, you know, everybody wants everything now. And, and I, 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 if I was on the other side of a lot of these issues, I, I, I'd be that same. guy. But all I've ever said to anybody, um, even, even when I look at the last four years, I was here in 73, Nixon and all that nonsense. I, I, I was here during the race riots. I've you know, I, I read about World War II, you know, uh, the Great Depression, uh, the Civil War. I mean, our history is littered with massive problems, massive faults of, of, of our own making many times. We shouldn't run away from that. Like the argument about studying critical race uh, theories and critical race history. People need to understand they, they, we, we don't have to hide from that. We we are a flawed people. Sure. As everybody is, everybody is. And we need to embrace that, identify it and see how we can make it better. I
1: mean, it's history. It's what, it's what happened, right? Like,
0: Ever get better by ignoring the problem? Exactly.
1: Of I and, agree.
0: and so when people then they go, well, you know, yeah, those people they won the war, but they were bad for civil rights. <laughs> Stop it. You know, uh, the bottom line to me is simply this is this country better in, in so many ways than it was in, in my youth in the 60s? Absolutely.
2: 100%. Gay 100%. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Gay rights, civil rights. No, it's not good. Not remotely perfect, but would you like to go back to 1963? Yeah. Would you like to be reminded what it was like in 1963? And and you, what what was the line? You know, the the, the arc of justice bends. You know, toward justice. Or, you know, but it's it's you got to keep tugging on it. You got to keep yeah. pushing on. it. You've Got to keep twisting it. It doesn't just poof, straighten itself out. It just, just doesn't. and. It comes in accept-
1: layers, right? Generation after generation just keeps layering the acceptance. We
0: keep building on it. I mean, again, yeah,
1: you build on it. Yeah. If,
0: if if I was that person, well, if I was gay or black or or even Mexican today, no, that's not that's not a good enough answer for me. I mean, I understand that. And I'm not saying that should be the answer. But I'm saying I at least try to find a little bit of the hope in that my generation pulled it forward. Sure. We 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 dragged it forward. I mean. Uh, you know, I can remember when Bill Cosby we talked about a moment ago. Bill Cosby became the first black lead in a television show.
1: Yeah, was that cool. was massive, right? In the eighties, oh, right? You're right. Yeah, huge deal. Yeah.
0: Uh, then here comes Diane Carroll, and she's like the best dressed nurse in the history of, of hospitals. You know, <laughs> on her show, and, and now you know, every show has a You know, Bill Moore had, a, I thought, a, a funny line. He like, talk about the, they're going to have like a gay network. I think we already do. You know, I mean, every network, I mean, every show, you know, now, now they're doing the interracial thing. I mean, every commercial, black guy, white woman, white woman, black guy, I mean, uh, black woman, white guy. I mean, every commercial, well, there was none of that.
1: Yeah. None
0: of that. Just the from film. the nineties,
1: like j- even just from the nineties, from how I grew up, yeah, like just, right. just seeing that change to now, it is a hundred percent different. Uh, I,
0: I do. Show. I find it. They were arguing about you know, the, the, when they had the Friends reunion. They said, "Well, they couldn't make that show now."
1: Yeah, I, like I, I read something about you know,
0: that. You know, I mean, it's Seinfeld. You know, and I'm sitting there, and they show no, and then you watch all these sitcoms, and it's uh, you know, it's it's the gay guy, the lesbian woman who's trying to adopt a child, uh, the the Mexican, the Chinese, the Asians, um, you know, the white guy. Where is that? where is that? I mean, I'd like to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I said, where is that? You know, I I go to a thousand dinner parties a year. I host dinner parties for all different kinds of people, all, but even then I, I host this thing for the black tie dinner. It's a, a, a big gay organization in Dallas. And, and I'll have, uh, you know, six people, you know, gay, lesbian, whatever, but so we don't have any Asians. We don't, I mean, okay, we forgot that particular group on that particular day. And I'm sitting there, so I watch all these sitcoms and they're all sitting around and it's just the most diverse group of people I've ever seen. And I'm going, yeah, that's nice. I, it's, it's, but where the hell is it? Sure, you know,
1: so I, see, I see what you mean.
0: Can't do Seinfeld again because he didn't have enough black friends. Yeah. You don't think there's, you don't think there's three or four young people in New York City that kind of hang around with themselves? You don't think there's like six friends in New York City with friends that they just kind of live in that apartment building by themselves? Yeah. Now, unfortunate? Yeah, maybe. But but real? You know, real. But now, real,
1: if, exactly. Real.
0: Yeah, If you're telling me that when you're doing the show Friends, there's a sign on the door, no people of color allowed, okay, <laughs> that's all. <gonna>, you know? <laughs> now we've got to, you know... Asians need not apply. Okay. I mean, come on. It's it's almost too
1: inclusive. Uh, You know, it's almost too like, like let's say for instance, right. So my mom's Mexican. I grew up, you know, I'm half Mexican. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. The problem that I see with uh, let's say Mexican, um, you know, I was a kid. Okay. You want to see yourself represented on the big screen, small, screen, whatever, right. Musically. Okay. You know, it was less then, and way more now for sure. But, here's the issue that starts to happen is it's like anytime a Mexican story has to come out, it has to be so Mexican, right? It has to be about the border. It has to be about immigration. It has to, it's like, what, dude, we, that's not all we deal with. You know what I mean? It's like, we live normal lives like everybody else too. Like what the hell, you know, if it's a black story, right? It's, it's gotta be about slavery or something. It's like, it's kind of tiring it gets tiring to be I- frank.
0: See, and here's the flip side of this, and I've always, I, I've always loved this argument. We do that to all the minority groups, but nobody ever does it to the white guys. That's so true. A example of this. I mean, we, we, white people paint Mexicans, uh, uh, blacks, Asians, whatever. We paint them all with the same brush. White guys never do it. Uh, one Muslim guy shoots up a, a club in Orlando, Muslim problem. Yeah. Black guy shoots up a street corner, black problem. Mexican guy shoots up a you know white guy blows up the federal building in Oklahoma City. Nah, he's just a nut.
1: Yeah, he's a mental mental issue. Tim, yeah, Timothy
0: Tim McVeigh is just a nut. White guy kills fifty nine people in Vegas with a sniper rifle. Ah, crazy old man. Just a, just a crazy old man. But when a minority group member does it, well, then it, we 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 get out the whole bucket of paint. We just start splattering it everywhere. It's a good point. And, yeah. and it's the same thing with the book every black person votes this way every mexican person votes this way no you
1: know exactly
0: unfortunately they don't Many. many it's,
1: like, it's like go to mexico like literally we're not all the same people like what the hell that's the craziest thing. and then look i mean you know not to get too deep into this right but people will say oh patrick you don't look mexican <laughs> right i get that all the time i've gotten that my whole life and i say well what does a mexican look like to you I don't understand what that means. That's like saying you don't look American. What does that mean? America is all different shapes, colors, sizes. Same with Mexico. Same with every country.
0: I was doing the. Uh, I have a program uh, called the Scholar Athlete of the Week, and I had this young Asian girl on, on my show one time, and she was had uh, moved here from Vietnam, and now she's working with people who are immigrating to to the states. And, and uh, so she's trying to help people acclimate themselves to life in America, life in Texas, which is sometimes entirely different. Other <laughs> yeah. different. But, so yeah. I, said to, I said to this young girl, and I said, so what, what's, the, what's the first thing that everybody asks you they want to know? Uh, when, when, they, when they first get here from Vietnam or Asia or wherever, what's the first thing they want to know? And I swear to you, this cute little girl looks at me and she goes, well, the main thing they always ask is why all you Americans look alike. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's and so I, funny. I thought she was jerking my chain, so I I just I started laughing like crazy. I said, "Well, you know," I said, "There's no question." I said, "Every place I go, people think I'm Brad Pitt," and I said, "I don't know why that." <laughs> I said, "Now that explains it." right? And I'm thinking, I think she's one. She goes, I said, "Yeah, you know, everybody thinks I'm Brad Pitt." And this girl looks at me, you know, with that stereotype that we have always applied that all Asians look alike. Right. I'm thinking, man, this girl's a smart Alec from hell. And then she looks at me. She goes, "Well, you, you know, you do all look alike." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm I, I like, you, I, I'm okay. Let's do this all over again because I can't. Yeah. Stop <laughs> like, Holy <laughs> real. She just said this. Well, you know, you do all look alike. And Brad Pitt coming at you, baby. You know,
1: <laughs> I mean, look, I've heard that from my Mexican side of the family, you know, that's deep in Mexico. Be like, oh, yeah, you white boys all look the same. You know, it's like, uh, it's like, okay, well, uh, there is some truth to it, I guess. Um, if you've never seen a bunch of white people, I guess, that it starts to well, look there, there have uh, all the same.
0: That, that, that in criminal cases, uh, people have a, a have a very hard time distinguishing between races, and and I I, I think there's a there's, there's some truth to that, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean I I think without question, I would have a harder time describing an Asian person or a black person uh, to an artist than 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 I might have you know with a white guy. Sure, and they say anyway, the studies indicate. That that's true across all the races you know like you're saying to your parents well white people look alike the Asian girl tells me white people look alike white people say that Asian I've heard girls that from
1: are... Asians before too like I have friends yeah. that are Korean yeah. and they've said dude you guys all look the same
0: yeah. well the only thing I know when I I went to Tokyo I did, I did a story on them there's no bald people in Tokyo and there's no fat people in Tokyo and they all smoke back in the day right back in the 90s they all smoked so you I know. did my stand-up clothes at the end. I got like 15 cigarettes in my mouth. And I said, <laughs> I don't know if it's it, but it's worth a shot. <laughs> worth a shot. <laughs>
2: That's hilarious.
0: I mean, we shot this, they all had the thick hair, you know, and they're all real thin. Yeah. Everybody walking down the street. You know. Now we had to cut the sumo wrestler out when he walked into the shot, but we just, you know, we it, it, was, it was that, and I could not get over because you know how all the American manufacturers did when when we stopped, basically tried as best we could to stop the smoking in America. They just moved all the cigarettes, you know, to Tokyo. And and this was 92, 93, somewhere in that time. And I mean, it was staggering. I mean, you walk into a Wendy's and everybody's smoking. And and, and it was just like, oh, you're just not used to seeing that anymore, right? And you stand on a street corner and everybody's smoking. So we're shooting all of these people walking down the streets and they've all got a cigarette in their mouth. They're all real thin. They've all got a full thick head of hair. And so then I did my stand up clothes with a big wad of cigarettes in my mouth, puffing away. And I said, I don't know if this is the key to it or not, but it's worth a shot.
1: <laughs> I love that. You know, that, that happened to me when I moved to Spain. I saw everybody smoking over there too. It didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah. For me. No, it didn't work. Right. They were like, nope, we see through this. We see through this. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Oh, all right. it nice. we
0: solve all the problems in the world today?
1: I, you know, I hope so, Dale. This is one last thing I was going to ask yeah. you. Okay. what do, Would you ever do a podcast? Now you're going to retire here in September. Uh, you know, people were asking me, and my head always goes to a podcast because I host yeah. a podcast. And I think, man, Dale, you would be amazing to have a podcast. I really hope you consider it.
0: Well, I, I yeah, I'll probably consider it. I'm... Um... I can't do anything until like April. Um, no compete clauses, all that sure. kind of good stuff. Sure. And I don't think, quite honestly, that I'm going to want to do anything until April. I. Um,
1: yeah, you need a break. You need time for yeah. you. You know. I, yes. I sit
0: back and 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 see if I really do get as bored as people tell me I am going to be. Because uh, I mean, there's still two shows on Netflix that I haven't seen yet. Uh, <laughs> I've seen every other one. <laughs> You know, so I, I got to catch up on those two shows, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna consider all of that kind of stuff. Um, the, the only thing that I find intriguing is when people say, "Well, you need to get this radio show, you need to get this podcast on a regular basis, or you know, whatever." I said, "Well, if I really wanted to, um, to to go to work and and to maintain the schedule, I'd, I'd stay where I'm at." You know? <laughs>
1: Well, that's a good now, point.
0: Whether or not whether or not I can do a podcast that fits my schedule, uh, which I've told you can.
1: Absolutely. I, again,
0: I don't know enough about that, quite honestly. Um but I There's nothing, to know. nothing, There's
1: people nothing people to know. There's nothing to know. Oh, Dale, you're a, you're a master of of your wordsmith, you know. You you you're the perfect podcast host. You're the perfect right. person Any, anyone, to have.
0: With and he wouldn't have to wear pants or shoes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> listen, I won't stand up right now because you I don't want to see up. what. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, listen, actually, I've done several
1: podcasts up. with no pants. I, I swear, I have done that before. Yeah,
0: I, I, I've been in this chair so long, I can't stand up now. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's it's going to have to be uh, whatever I do. It's going to have to be something for the most part where I don't have to um, to get all dressed up necessarily. Sure. That's
1: what the um, podcast is. It's perfect.
0: Yeah, it might be. I mean, I, I've got, I've got. As you've unfortunately learned the hard way, I've, I've got some stories that I enjoy telling. Yes, uh, I've got, I've got some some thoughts that I still might want to share. Yes, uh, and there might be, there might be something down the road to that. I tell you the truth, I think what I would really like to do, and, I, and again, this is also, funny, I think I'd like to do it with somebody.
1: Uh, absolutely have a little I've co-host done, to bounce off of
0: i've yeah. done done the radio shows and i always did it by myself i mean now granted it was only an hour sure um but but you know I'm, i get on a roll and there's no feedback and i'm like okay i kind of need to stop for air right here you know I'm <laughs> and uh, uh, so I, again I'm, i've been i've had a few friends of mine that you know, well let's do the yin and yang of of, of the politics or you know and I do think if, if, if I am ever going to get into it, it's, it's not going to be, uh, uh, how, how about those Cowboys? You know, I'm, 100%. I'm not gonna I, no. I, I've got to do something because as I said earlier, the one thing that drives me nuts is that there just isn't, I, at least I haven't heard it, um, a, a good liberal radio show out there. Now, there might be a podcast because I don't honestly know how you get a podcast. You know, I mean I, I don't know where you find it. You know? <laughs> I at his podcast was that
1: I, I love it. That's
0: hilarious. Some people will send it to me, they'll send me the link and oh okay, that's kind of cool. Oh
1: hilarious.
0: If, if I got off the air right now and wanted to pull up one of your old shows. I, I not know where. To you know, it. <laughs> uh, I, I just learned how to text about six months ago, you know, and I started using. I started using emojis just two weeks ago. That's actually kind of cool. you kind of save a lot of time. And, uh, I thought that was. A, I thought that was a very big breakthrough when I figured out how to use emojis. Uh, that's
1: that hilarious. Oh, but
0: but yeah. so I'm not really into the technical side of it, and uh, but i you know I've, I've got a few buddies with some interesting points of view, and I thought, well, let's. Let's kind of do a, a, a give and take, and and uh, you
1: and you know, listen, you and Barry Switzer, yeah, you guys, you guys have the, a podcast together. Well, Wait, that, uh, that, uh, I can
0: promise you. Well, it might be uh, musty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that ain't gonna <laughs> happen. We. <laughs> no that, that one i promise is not gonna happen.
1: oh uh, man you know just so you know people. i i watched that interview you did with him you know yeah. just right before i did this and i gotta say um you know uh, you know i've grown up in texas my whole life i've been around guys like barry switzer okay i know he's from oklahoma blah 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 yeah. whatever but it's all the Architect same to me is- yeah. Right. It's all the same to, to Southern yeah. people, really. The way he's like, put, put a bit, I've been around guys like that. And I can't stand that stuff, man. When people start <laughs> to put their hands on you and like, that's when you know they're wrong. That's when, you yeah. know, you got him, Right. He's oh, trying yeah. to like physically get you into his corner because yeah. you had him. I mean, you had him, you oh, know,
0: I, I, I had him dead to rights, but you had him dead up. to rights. And the next day, the next day we met on the football field and his golf cart and, and he's admitting that, you know, and I'm like, and here again, it's right back to the politicians I'm talking about. He didn't believe that stuff he was saying. I do. now. This you, might you
1: couldn't me. tell. Yeah, honestly, you could tell he didn't believe it. You could tell no. that you caught him. Like, at least I could see it. Like, you caught him yeah. on that. And he was like, oh, you know.
0: And I, I just, you know, I, I've, thought, I've said this before, but it might scare some people. A lot of people have always criticized me saying that I write some of these commentaries, not because I believe them, but because I write it for the shock value. Ow, I'm like, please. No, no. I said, I, I hate to burst your bubble. I hate to scare you a little bit, but I believe everything I write. I believe everything I say. Now with that caveat that, well, yes, if I'm joking, if I, if, if I'm being sarcastic, okay, yes, you can take those eight words. And I don't believe that, but, but I thought it was obvious that I was either being sarcastic or, or making a joke.
1: Sure. But
0: if I'm making the absolute point, um, whether, whatever the issue is, uh, I never write for the shock value. In fact, I'm kind of shocked that some people are shocked. <laughs> uh, I've said a lot of things that I think are just well, that just seems like common sense to me. I mean, that's just honestly in,
1: in Texas in Dallas, you taking that stance is actually, you know,
0: yeah, I, I did quite, quite to, risky. I was incredibly proud of this, and I had a big fight with a lot of people. Um, but I wrote, a, uh, I wrote a piece about the building of the wall. And as I said in that piece, what would Jesus do? And, and I'm, not a, I'm not a religious person, but, but I do believe in the teachings. I, I do believe in the, the premise.
1: Um, 100%. Uh, you know. Totally.
0: But my argument was, what would Jesus do? And, and that was why I said, I said one of the reasons, that I'm not as religious anymore as I used to be, because I don't like a lot of the people who say they are. When you hear the Robert Jefferson Dallas and some of these other evangelical rich preachers, True. I mean, disgusting to me. I mean, you really think Jesus would fly around in a private jet? Now, granted, he could fly if he wanted to. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? But he wasn't wearing $3,000 suits. I mean, I mean
1: absolutely. I mean,
0: if Jesus knocked on their front door, they'd shoot him through the glass. Yeah. You know, and, wow. and, and if he said, we need some of your money to help feed the hungry and the homeless. Uh, everything that my mom and my, my high school preacher taught me about Jesus goes against building a wall. Now, That's do we right. need security? Do we need to be vetting people? Yeah, but the wall's not the answer. The issue needs a deeper examination, but the wall's just not the answer. And it sends entirely the wrong message. And oh, my goodness, did I get crucified for that one, as you might imagine. I mean, mean, people just came out of the woodwork. And I'm like, again, let me go back. What would Jesus do? Would he tell the hungry and the homeless who are running from the drug cartels and the violence of their communities? to to find work and provide a better environment for their families to turn around and go back? Is that what Jesus would do? Would Jesus put up a barrier to prevent these people from finding a better life? And then as I said in that same commentary, or let's just reverse it one more time. What if the United States of America was the worst of Latin America? And we had no jobs, we had no safety. When our kids left the house in the morning, we didn't know if they'd make it back. But if we could just get to Canada, then everything would be so much better in Canada. There would be jobs, there would be safety, there would be schools, there would be education, and there would be safety for our children. But we got to the border and a Canadian Mounted Police told us to turn around, we can't come in. Now you can apply, Eight to 10 years down the road, we'll let you know yeah. <laughs> how many of you would turn around. And uh, I think not a one of you, not a single one of you would turn around at the Canadian border if they told us we couldn't come in, if the United States of America was the worst of Latin America. Sure. So how do we do it to them? Now we need to address the issue. We need to find a better answer, but the answer cannot be and should not be. You're not welcome. Stay home.
1: Yeah, it's it's sort of the it's sort of the better you than me attitude. You know, it's sort of well, you keep it over there. Better you than me. Like I don't want you bringing that. You know,
0: we uh, we we know that we're comfortable as best we can be. We know that we we're. Blessed to have been born in the United States. I mean, I, I, I mean, I make no bones about that. I mean, I, I'm a white man in America. I'm, 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 I'm about halfway through the race before they even fire the gun. I mean, I got about a forty yard head start in a sixty yard race before they even shoot the gun, because I'm a white man in America. But if I wasn't, and I needed to get to uh, get rid of this horrible country that I'm stuck in and I could make my way into Canada, there's nobody at the Royal Mounted Police who's going to convince me to turn around. Absolutely. I, under no circumstances. I would sneak into the forest outside Toronto, I would then acclimate myself into the city, and I'd live happily ever after. The, the, pro,
1: the thing is, is that the thing chasing you behind you, making you go there, is way worse than what you're saying they're going to do to you, right? So It's, it's like... A
0: it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And I, and I I, go, I know we need a solution. I, I know that technically, I guess you can't just say, hey, everybody, come on in. Although I'm not sure why you can't, quite honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm flying over the heartland of America, uh, going to from Dallas to on Nebraska. There's a lot of land out there we can build a house on. I mean, there's a lot of land out
1: there. Absolutely. I
0: mean, we've got, I mean, I'm tired of everybody coming to Dallas and everybody going to LA. I mean, I, I wish we could kind of get a little more sprawl. Working here, <laughs> yeah.
1: so, hey, I just moved from Austin. So I'm with, I know no, it. I know. Oh no,
0: yeah, please. Exactly. But I, I'm sitting there going, you know, w- when you see the people who are willing to work, they're taking, yeah, they're, they're taking American jobs, the jobs that Americans won't take.
2: Exactly. You
0: know, that that Americans you. won't do. Exactly. You know, it, it, it. That's almost criminal that, well, yeah, you can come in and, pick our vegetables and, 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 you know, put, put our roofs back on our house, and, but Americans won't do it. The, the, the whitest guy in America was on 60 minutes, several years ago as a dairy farmer in Wisconsin. And he said, I, I'd love to hire the American worker. Uh, a, they won't take the job of cleaning out a dairy barn because I've done it. Won't ever do it again. And if I did milk would be about $22 a gallon.
1: Exactly. The pay you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm not saying you bring them in just to clean out barns, but if you're willing to work and you're willing to, to raise your family,
1: then we got work for you, right? It's like, yeah, come on. I yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: There's, I agree. Absolutely, there's absolutely a place for you. There's absolutely yeah. a place uh, in my country for you, you know. Sure. And uh, uh I, I just I just wish that people could understand that. And, and instead of just Choosing up these hard, rigid sides, that let's find the middle ground. Let let's find the compromise. Let's 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 find the accommodation. Um, this buddy of mine in, in, uh, at my reunion said to me, uh, uh, "You might be uh, the first liberal I've seen uh, with half a brain." And I looked at him. I swear to pretty. And I thought this was really good because it was quick. And I said, and you might be the first conservative I've met with half a heart. Wow. That I do think there's an argument to be made that some liberals lead with their heart. Sure. They really don't use their brain sometimes to think it all the way through.
2: I
1: can see that. But
0: I also believe, I also believe that too many conservatives don't have a heart.
2: I, I totally see your point. Yeah,
0: They're happy. They're successful. They know their kids are taken care of. Everybody else who didn't make it, not their problem. Not,
1: not my problem. Exactly. Not, not my problem. It's my
0: fault. Well, yeah, actually, many times it is. You know, yeah. I mean, many, many times it is. White America in particular has created so many roadblocks, so many roadblocks for people of color. Are they capable of hurdling them? Yes, they are. Yes. Are, yes. They, are they capable of getting over those hurdles and succeeding? Absolutely. Sure. But it's like that, that that old bit that I saw one time was where everybody lined up on the goal line. They said, okay, if you have, your family makes $100,000 a year, take two steps forward. If your mother and father are both home, take another step forward. If you had a college education, you know, and, and then by the end, you know, okay, all the white kids are standing on the 35-yard line, and you know the other guys are 10, 5, you know, going. And now we're going to start the race. You know, I, I, this final thought of I may, and I've said this so many times, but it's true. I, I'm the only, I am the only guy in America who could have done what I've done. Not because I'm special, not because I'm talented, but because I'm white. There is not a black guy in America who could be fired from eight jobs and get hired at one of the very best local TV stations in the country. Now, could they do what I do? Could they perform the way I deliver my sports? Of course they could. Could they write the things I write? Absolutely they could. But they would never be given the opportunity. Never. Somehow, some way, I was able to overcome the fact that I have been fired from eight of the 11 jobs I've had in my life. And the other two that I quit, I quit under very difficult circumstances. (laughs) We were fighting pretty good as I walked out the door. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the last one that I'm quitting now, I'm trying to go out as quietly and as gracefully as I can. But I've always used this argument as my, as my driving mantra about how I believe about all of these issues, of, especially about race. Sure. With the history that I have, I should have never gotten into Dallas, Texas. And I definitely should have not gotten in the front door at WFAA in Dallas. But I did. I did. I don't know how, why, but I did. So when people say to me, well, you just work harder ever. No, I don't. You know, I, I think I might have at one time, but, yeah. but I haven't for a long time. And I'm just saying it's just an obvious hurdle that sure. was not in front of me. Yeah. Not in front of me. That I know for a fact is in front of so many others. You know, the, the simple argument about this, there, there are stations all over America that have, you know, a, a white male anchor, a white female anchor, a white weathercaster, and a white sportscaster. They're, they're, they're stationed all over America to do that. I don't think, I, I don't know this for an absolute fact, but I'm willing to take the bet. There's not a single station in America that has four people of color. Not wow. one, not one. Wow. I have no doubt about that. So they say, well, it's, it's, it's okay for us to put four white people on the set at one time. And if you are indeed colorblind, as you claim to be, if you are only going to hire the best people, as everybody says they do, sure. then how is it really possible that you only hire occasionally four white people, but you never hired four people of color? Percentage of the population? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Sure, you bet. The three major networks that we're talking about. You know, Lester Holt breaks the mold a little bit, but I'm trying to think. Max Robinson was on ABC for a little while, you know. CBS. I don't think I'm trying. I don't think they've ever had a Black anchor uh, at CBS, have they? Uh, um, if they have, I, I can't know. think it was. Right?
1: That's the problem, so, right? You can't even think of one.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, uh, Walter Cronkite, Dan Rather. You know, what I mean, and so I'm saying there's. It, it's a factor. It, it's just the reality of life that it's a sure. fact. So don't just simply step back and say, hey, work harder. It, 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 it's fair opportunity. No, it's pull not. Pull the, the bootstraps
1: up, right? It's yeah,
0: not fair for everybody. Yeah. I mean, you sure. look at general managers in the NFL. You look at coaches in the NFL. I mean, for the longest time, you look at quarterbacks, centers, middle linebackers, and safeties. A sport dominated by the black athlete. Oh, but the quarterback's white, the center's white, the middle linebacker's white, and the safety's white. Now that's starting to change, and as we see it change, it's like, oh, gee, maybe we should have done this sooner, you know. Um, <laughs> but just those kind of little hurdles, and we and and then people try to argue that, well, now we fixed everything. Oh, we haven't. <laughs>
1: you, know? I, you know, I just learned about the robber barons from the late. 18, oh, uh, no. 1890, right? Like after the Civil War and all that. And you hear about that, you're just like, what? The, how do people not understand there's a ripple effect from that? Of like, well, you know,
0: the one now that's gotten all the attention that I never, I didn't know about it until a few years ago was the Tulsa Massacre. Yeah. You know, where, where, where they Good just point. wiped out uh, what they call Black Wall Street. Black Wall
1: Street. Yeah, you're right. Yeah.
0: Nobody taught me that story in Logan, Iowa. You know, you I, neither. I, I didn't know anything about it. And and, and, you know, all of those families wiped out. Their possessions were stolen. You don't think yeah. there's a trickle-down effect from that? Exactly. You know? And, and exactly. it just, just that kind of thing just keeps on going, just keeps on going. You know, I, we have to address that. We have to. And again, there's no reason. I always look at it from the opposite side. People always say, well, that wasn't my fault. You know, that, that, that I didn't do it. You know? Sure. And again, I agree. Sure. You, know, you didn't do it your grandfather did or your great grandfather, whatever. So when you, when, when people get so defensive and say, Hey, don't blame me. I didn't do it. I agree. At the same time, don't get so defensive when we want to address that issue because you didn't do it.
1: That's a great point.
0: There's there's no reason for you to be ashamed of something you didn't do. You know, I, I wasn't around for the civil war. Don't blame me <laughs> for the, the for the arguments over slavery. I yeah. wasn't here. At the same time, let's address what that actually means. What it actually meant to generations of people afterwards. And I'm not the least bit ashamed or afraid to do that because I wasn't there. I was a great point. There, right, and, and and they do it all the time.
1: Yeah, and they do. That's it all a time. great point. And
0: they get incredibly sensitive that you want to address an issue by saying you can't blame me for that. I wasn't there. I didn't do it. I say exactly. So what are you worried about when we talk about it? Because you didn't do it.
1: It's a great point. I'm going to start right? using that argument to be honest with you, Dale. I, I I've never heard it put that way. That's a great point. I've always looked at it like, well, both things can be true, right? We can say, we are at the best point in human history that we have been right with race and this and that, but there's still work that needs to be done. What's wrong with acknowledging both things? I don't see what's wrong I, with I that. Don't,
0: I don't have, I argue with my, with my, uh, my, my very best friend is, is a black man judge. Really just a great guy. And I sit there and I go, you know, I, I'm not ready to tear down the George Washington statues. Uh, and I've been to Mount Vernon, and I've seen the slave quarters, and that they're they're important. I mean, they're just important. Um, Thomas Jefferson, you know, I think he did some decent things, um, did some horrible things, right? And, and I, I try to, in my world, I say, okay, you know, it's it's part of this evolutionary process. I mean, if you grow up with everybody you know owned slaves, yeah, there's a chance that you probably own one too. Of course. Uh, should they have known better? Of course, of course. But I go then the next step, I go, how about this one? Because I'm not, I'm not willing to, to just ignore all of uh, what uh, white Americans did in our history because of their flaws, I'm, I'm just not. And, and I use this example of what if we decide as a society, for example, and this is an extreme example, I grant you, but what if, what if we decide 50 years from today that hunting animals for sport just for the thrill of the kill is really as disgusting as some of us think it is. Yeah. That you go kill an elephant, you go kill a zebra, you go kill a bear just because you can
1: just to have the picture years, with it.
0: Right. 50 yeah. years from today, we decide that is just almost criminal and we'll you know, do, then we look back at all the hunters of today and realize, oh, they're, they're horrible human beings. Horrible, which which they're not. Some of my best friends are hunters. Yeah. Sure. And I'm sitting there going, what about, you know, the? what if we decide not to even eat meat, for example?
1: Well, factory if, farming, I was going to say, if we right, get rid of factory farming, we're right, what are we going to look back on that?
0: Chickens on top of chickens just so we can have chicken legs for dinner. We're exactly. not going to leak cows into a chute so we can zap them in the head. That's not who we are. We we do come up with the Star Trek menu where you just push a button and you get something that satisfies your, your dietary needs. So we don't raise and kill animals just for our eating pleasure. Do we then look back 50 years or whatever it is and decide that people who ate chicken and people who ate beef are disgusting human beings and should not be ever honored in our society again?
2: Yeah. And you point. get
0: into climate change, which I think is going to be a real issue someday. Dale Hansen drove a pretty big car, <laughs> burned a little more gas than he should have, and he kept his house a little cooler than maybe he really needed to. Yeah. So that every good thing I might have done in my life is now just gone. That was a little harder because I probably should be smarter about some of that. <laughs> but uh, I'm just saying, I, I think we're, we're caught up in this. Oh, let's 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 dig up the quote that they said when they were 16 years old, and they were 17 in college, and 40 years later we're considering this person. But 40 years ago they did this, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, man, we cannot continue to live in that world. We just can't, I because agree. we have to accept that we're all flawed human beings. And as I said a moment ago, I'm not a religious person. I've only heard of one perfect man and he was left to die, hanging on a cross. So how bad am I supposed to feel about the fact that I'm not a perfect man, but when you start cherry picking these different things that somebody says or does and refuse to accept that we all make mistakes, we're all flawed. And let's look at it from the environment that they were in at the time. Should some of those people have known better? Yeah, you tend to think so, but I at least understand why they didn't.
1: Sure. Oh, I I know factory farming's bad, but what am I actively doing to stop it, right? Like, am I out, like, you know, letting the animals loose out of the thing, right? So same sort of thing back then with slavery, like, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, I get it. I I, I got a,
0: one of my very best friends that I worked with is a big hunter. I mean, I I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. Yeah. But I'm not yeah. doing anything about it.
1: Me neither. I mean? Yeah. I got friends that are hunters yeah. too. Mean, yeah. He
0: wants to hunt, uh, you know, uh, and, and he doesn't hunt. I mean, some of it for food, you know, but, you know, it's not 1822 anymore. You know, it's, it's yeah. 2122. You know, we don't have to go kill a rabbit <laughs> just so we can have some stew on Friday. I mean, <laughs> you know?
1: Oh, that's hilarious. But
0: the big game hunting just kind of, you know, and again, I, I understand the, the argument that, well, it's conservation. you got to call the herd. and I'm like, ah, I'm pretty sure those deer wouldn't mind being that crowded. You yes, know? yes. But, yeah. Hey, I know we've got too many of us hanging around the neighborhood, but yeah, you don't need to call us out here. We're fine. <laughs> you know, now, there might be. I, I always love the bottom line. It was like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's great line to me. I, mean, I thought it was hilarious. He said, you can't call hunting a sport. Because half the people don't, half the players don't know they're in the game.
1: That's <laughs> a great point. That's right. Well,
0: it, it, that. that's <laughs> if you, if you, if half, the if half the participants don't know they're in the game, <laughs> you can't call it a sport. You know?
1: That's a great a point.
0: Mine, or I should say almost a, a former buddy of mine spends an entire off year, whatever you call the, the hunting season. And, and he has a, a deer feeder. Right, so these deer become trained to come up to the deer feeder. And then deer season opens up. Maria's gonna vacuum. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 yeah, I've got to go here pretty quick, by the
1: No worries, Dale, absolutely.
0: So but the deer season opens up and he sits up in a tree and he shoots them as they're eating. Wow, big white hunter. You know, so incredibly impressive that you trained a hungry animal Knowing that there's food at this feeder so that three weeks out of the year or whatever it is, you can sit in a tree and shoot. How could you possibly call that a sport? I now he, he eats the deer, I think, most of time and gets some food out of it, whatever. But I'm like, I, I just I just preferred to go buy it. That's I just do. I just do. I just do it, so.
1: yeah. No, I hear you, do. Right. I think I, hey, I, I my lost. I here,
0: my yeah,
1: no worries. uh There we go. um Yeah, no. This yeah. has been this has been another just amazing conversation. I can't tell you how much well, this I have absolutely. About
0: four months of podcast for you now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, this hey, this is the great thing about podcasting. It just you know the, these long form conversations. I'm yeah. all about well,
0: it. Well, all part. about it part does appeal to me, as you could probably tell a little
1: bit. But, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, and to me too. Anyway, is, I, love I love doing this.
0: this. I love doing it, and uh, uh maybe I'll get you on my podcast someday. You can, you wow! Can Dale, you can are you kidding it. me? But see, the only problem is I interview somewhat the way I am interviewed. I ask all the questions, <laughs> just not... <laughs> Hey,
1: anything with you, I'm in. That so I would be. It would be an honor. It's so for pleasure. Sure.
0: My pleasure. All
1: right. Well, thank you so much, Dale. Enjoy the rest of uh, your day. I hope, uh, tell uh, Marie, I think her name is. uh, Apologize. Uh, She couldn't get to the back. No, no. She gets
0: the same check no matter
1: what.
0: It doesn't matter. All right. Take care. All right, right, Dale. Thank
1: you again, brother. Bye-bye. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show, the end credits. This is everyone responsible for making the show happen. Executive producer, Sebastian Sauerborn. Podcast manager, Nevina Ponovich. Marketing manager, Caroline Grape. Video and audio editors, Danilo Vojnov and Pavel Sebastianovich. Thumbnail designer, Marko Vukovic. Social media manager, Ursa Rusman. Guest outreach, Corey Menciez. Designing image quotes, Jay Apuya. Social media videos, Labrie Fernandez. Outreach support, Yonette Del Mundo. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. The Lone Star Plate podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time.